Good morning. It's good to be back with everybody. Some of us are meeting in our building this morning for the first time in three weeks. We know several of you are still sick. We know some of you are still, it's not a good time for you to be out. You're still maybe a little fearful. It's just, and we understand those things. We're glad that we're back, even if it's a small group, because it means that it's the beginning of eventually getting all of us back into the same room and under the same roof once again. But we're all going to be studying the same thing, Genesis 3, verse 15. I encourage you to turn your Bibles there. In six days, God created the world for humanity. They are placed in this beautiful garden to live out the seventh day rest. They are surrounded by these beautiful and desirable trees that are good for fruit. They rule with God and they partake in the life-giving tree there in the midst of the garden, representing the very presence of God and his eternal life. He would instruct them in wisdom unless they decided to eat of the tree of good and bad. Now, we know what happened because that tree, too, was desirable and beautiful. We, they never received the intended life that God had intended for them. But we do find mercy amidst their disobedience. God still wanted humanity to have a seventh-day ideal In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, this is in the midst of the curse of the snake. God says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise him on the hill. Spiritual warfare between the seed of woman and the seed of the snake This creature, whether it's symbolic of evil or whether it's some kind of divine being, it represents the hostility towards towards God's um, um, hostility between it and humanity. Eventually, the seed of woman is brought this fatal blow upon the snake only for it to strike out and hit the heel of woman. We are talking about the seed, Jesus Christ. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 16, it says, Now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. He does not say, and to seeds, as though referring to many, but referring to one, and to your seed, who is Christ. We're on a countdown or a count up to seven. The promise of God's light breaking through the darkness comes by the giving of the promise of the seed. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Luke chapter four. We're going to look at a few passages this morning. Here in Luke chapter four, Jesus has just gone through the waters of baptism. He is ready to lead this 
lead God's people in this great exodus once again. And he goes into the wilderness where he is tempted and he does not fail as Israel had done. And he comes now to Nazareth, beginning in verse 16. It says, where he was brought up. And as it was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. That's key. And he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing It is Sabbath. Jesus is reading from Isaiah chapter 61. It is about Jubilee, which comes off of this idea of Sabbath, seven. It was celebrated every 49 years, seven times seven. And on that day, on that, in that year, economic debts were forgiven. The land is restored to families who had lost their land because uh, of their debts. Slaves have been set free. No one worked the fields that year, but they ate off of the spontaneous growth. Isaiah 61 is the climax. It's when the, this great jubilee When God's servant would begin his mission to Israel to be a light to the nations and to announce good news of restoration and God's coming. And Jesus is saying right here in Luke 4, he says, I am it. I am bringing this jubilee. From that moment on, Jesus brought jubilee everywhere he went. He releases a man from an unclean spirit and and a man who is eaten up with leprosy. He forgives a paralyzed man of his sins, and then he, he cleanses him uh, or he heals the man. A father was given back his 12-year-old daughter. A widow is given back her son that they both had lost to death, and Jesus raises them. A prostitute is released from her sins. People are being released right and left from the powers of darkness and mortality and and death. And Jesus is bringing this seventh-day ideal everywhere he went. In Matthew 12, turn your Bibles there. Matthew 12, Jesus is watching, or some Pharisees are watching Jesus as his disciples are traveling through this field, and they're gathering up some grain as they go, some plucking some heads of grain, and they're eating it, almost like walking through, through Eden and just taking of the fruit from among the many trees. But the Pharisees didn't see it like this because it's a Sabbath, and they believe that they are breaking Sabbath law. And Jesus basically says to them, <laughs> Look, do you, do you not read your Bible? Do you not remember when, when David, who is not a king, he ate of the sacred bread in the tabernacle? And what about priests who work on Sabbath, and yet uh, they're guiltless of these things? And then he says, in chapter 12, verse 6 of Matthew, I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. 
And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Many have taken these verses, and me included, that Jesus is rebuking the Pharisees for being so legalistic. And no doubt this was an issue with, with some of these these Pharisees, but this is much, much bigger. Jesus isn't saying that Sabbath is bad any more than he was saying that anyone can go and, and eat of the sacred bread in the tabernacle. The point of Sabbath is to remember and to celebrate what was lost and needs to happen again. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. He's bringing about this cosmic release of sin and death. He is not downplaying Sabbath. He's magnifying it. Do you see that? Let's talk about the tree of life. It is Jesus. He is the seed that became the life tree in the midst of the world. The theme of Genesis 1 through 3 is here, and that is humans are like trees. Jesus taught his disciples in John 15 and verse 5. He says, I am the vine, and this is a tree in Hebrew. I am the vine, and my followers are the branches. He's saying he is the source of eternal life. That in Jesus, we produce the fruit of God. And how does Christ live in us? Think about that for a moment. He lives in us through the Holy Spirit. And, and how is the Holy Spirit described? Fruit. In Galatians 5, and 23, we become like fruit trees in this new garden of God. The tree of life is found in the most unlikely of places. Jesus is crucified on a tree, in between two trees. He is bitten by the snake. Leading to the cross, Jesus was tested in another garden, Gethsemane, and it's here that he decided whether he would follow the will of God or his own desires. And we can read about Jesus in Gethsemane, and we can see the agony that he faced and, and the difficulty at his arrest. Jesus said, I could have called 10,000 angels, 10,000 legions, but he resisted. And he told the Father, not what I want but what you want. The cross is now the tree that gives life to humanity. And whether we realize it or not, we sing about this all the time. Was it for crimes that I have done? He groaned upon the tree. One day they led him up Calvary's mountain. One day they nailed him to die on the tree. All of us have to make our journey to the middle of the garden. 
to partake of the tree of life, to make our own choice that we're not going to live of our own goodness, but of God's. In 1 Peter 2, 24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds we have been healed. In 1 John 5, 11 and 12, God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life, and who doesn't have the Son does not have life. In Revelation, Jesus announces this coming Eden that's greater and grander than the one we read in Genesis 1 and 2. It begins in chapter 2 and verse 7. He says, To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. You get to chapter 21, and he says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and earth has passed away, and the sea is no more. And the next chapter begins by saying, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on the other side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves on the tree were for the healing of the nations. In verses 13 and 14, he says, I am the Alpha, the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And if you listen to the podcast of the Bible Pill and those early ones, when we talked about the importance of seven, this all should be flashing back and just like, this is so exciting what Jesus is saying here. And he says, blessed are those who wash their robes so that they might have the right to the tree of life. It is the ultimate Sabbath day. The curse of humanity and the earth is lifted. New creation has come. He says in verses 3 through 5, no longer will there be anything accursed. And the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and the servants will worship him. They will see his face, and the name will be on their foreheads, and the night will be no more. They will need no night, night light of the lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Allow these scriptures just to permeate your mind this morning and try to push out the stresses and the anxieties that you're feeling and you felt all week long. Let it just overcome your whole being as you, as we are right now. We're surrounded by sickness and death and pain and conflict and doubt, by darkness and chaos and disorder. But what happens until that day comes? We rest in Jesus. Come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Now that Jesus has come, we can live Sabbath day every day. In Romans 14, Paul tells the Christians to stop arguing over what people eat and and special days that they may celebrate. He's saying, look, if they're doing it to honor the Lord, then good. If living by kosher laws helps you to, to be closer to God, then do it. Celebrating certain 
certain weekly Sabbaths helps you to honor God, he says, then do it. You know, for years, I was taught that you can't celebrate Christmas because we don't know when Jesus was born, and it was like we don't have a special day for that. But I find peace in the Bethlehem story in a time where I really feel a lot of anxiety. For years, I hid that fact because I didn't want people to know or were afraid what they might think. I think Paul would say, do it. I like to celebrate the Lord's Supper around a table in the midst of a meal, no matter how simple or elaborate it may be. Missy and I have done this with a few people who have been uh, willing to embrace it. They're intimate moments. We share the elements. Candles are used to represent the presence of Christ. Others may not find this helpful, and that's okay. But for some, it's a way of honoring the one who has invited us to join him at the table. Paul would say, if that brings you closer to Jesus, do it. Paul loved showing up in cities and celebrating Sabbath with them. And he would tell them the good news of Jesus, and, and he would listen to their stories, and he would pray with them, and he would invite them to the love feast the next day, celebrating and commemorating the resurrection. People were being healed. People were sharing together. Slaves and masters sitting at the same table Women who were oppressed at home could come, and, and they were treated as equals. The Spirit spoke through these people, and they were experiencing new creation. The gospel writers made sure that we understood that Jesus' death or uh, Jesus' death took place on Sabbath and, and a very special Passover. They also made sure that we understood that Jesus was resurrected on the first day of the week as the light was dawning. Day one, let there be light. Now we are counting to seven, anticipating the final preparation of the ultimate seventh day. The kingdom of God has come. Live by the Sermon on the Mount. Love God. Love your neighbor. Create rituals in your life that will help you to follow Jesus. If celebrating, you know, Jewish holy days in, in a new way in Christ does that for you, or a specific time of prayer, or hosting meals that are centered around Jesus, or designated quiet time and you're reading scripture and you're meditating on what God is really trying to say to you, then do it. Live out the seventh day among each other, brothers and sisters. When we come together, when we see each other throughout the week, encourage one another, love one another. Bear one another's burdens. Be at peace with one another. Don't grumble about one another. Accept one another. Be kind to one another. Do good to one another. 
And then we go out in our community and we tell them that Jesus has come and he has released us from sin and death. Go out and help the poor and the oppressed. Be an encouragement to those who are broken. Bring God's light in the darkness of our world. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all that are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let's pray. Father, you are a great and awesome God. We thank you, Father, that though we fail and we continue to fail, that you continue to pursue us. You want us to have this, this wonderful seventh-day rest and life, whether it's moments in this world or, or what you are bringing to us. We are so excited about your coming. We live in a dark and a broken world. And, Father, we need you. And give us these moments when we realize what you've done for us and how we can live now and, and, and the great anticipation that is before us. Help us, Father, just to take time to stop and, and to let these permeate our minds. Oh, God, please be merciful to us. And may we bring forth seventh-day celebration and jubilee every day of our lives and bringing it in moments in other people's lives. Oh, Father, we love you so much. We thank you for the seed. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the tree of life that was planted on Golgotha. Father, we just pray for healing. We pray for Jubilee to come to those who are suffering with this terrible COVID right here in our church and people in our community and all around the world. Father, bring forth their release and may they give you glory and honor in all things. I pray for others, Father, who may be hurting in some way and they feel that they're living in a darkness in their own life. Father, just release them. Continue to release us, Father, of our sinfulness and our failures and our wrongs. And Father, we just thank you for your Son. We thank you for the gift and the Spirit of God who's come within us that we too may bear fruit and live out seventh day before others and especially before you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.